1: Mesdames et Messieurs, merci d'avoir patienté. Bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique pour les résultats du troisième trimestre 2020 de 5N+. Présentement, les lignes de participants sont en mode d'écoute seulement. Après la présentation, il y aura une période de questions et réponses. Pour poser une question, veuillez s'il vous plaît appuyer sur l'étoile, suivi par le 1 de votre clavier téléphonique. Et si vous avez besoin d'assistance, veuillez appuyer le 0 pour une téléphoniste. Je will maintenant céder la parole à Richard Perron, Chef de la Direction Financière. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by, and welcome to the 5N Plus Inc. 3rd quarter 2020 results conference call. At this time, note that all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this time, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. And if you require assistance, please press star 0 for the operator. And I would like to turn the conference over to your speaker today, Richard Perron, Chief Financial Officer. Please go ahead.
0: Bonjour à toutes et à tous. Uh, good morning everyone and thank you for joining our third quarter ended September 30, 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. We will begin with an overview of our business performance and review of our financial results, after which we will begin the question period. Joining me this morning is Arjan Roshan, our President and Chief Executive Officer. We issued yesterday our financial statements and we have posted a short presentation on the investors section of our website. I would like to draw to your attention slide number two of the presentation. Information in this presentation and remarks made by the speakers today will contain statements about expected future events and financial results that are forward looking and therefore subject to risk and uncertainties. A description of the risk factors that may affect future results is contained in our management discussion and analysis available on our website and in our public findings. The company is not aware of any significant changes to its risk factors previously disclosed. However, since January 2020, the gradual outbreak of the novel strain of the coronavirus COVID-19 and its declaration as a pandemic by the World Health Organization has resulted in governments worldwide enacting emergency measures to combat the spread of the virus. These measures have caused material disruption to businesses globally, resulting in an economic slowdown, the outbreak of the COVID-19 should be considered a new risk factor. In the analysis of our quarterly results, you will note that we use and discuss certain non-IFRS measures, which definitions may differ from those used by other companies. For further information, please refer to our management's discussion and analysis. I would now like to turn the conference to Arjan for the discussion on the business performance and quarter results, Arjan.
2: Thank you, Richard. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Five N Plus Conference Call. I hope wherever you are, you and yours are healthy, safe, and are doing well. Last night, Five N Plus posted results for Q2 and year to date 2020. Our company continued to deliver strong quarterly earnings with adjusted EBITDA for the quarter and year to date reaching 7.7 million and 22. Million, an increase of 20% as compared to the same period last year against a quarterly and year-to-date revenue of 40 million and 131 million, which is a decrease of 20% and 13%, respectively, over the same period last year. The third quarter results for 2020 reflect a gross margin of which is a notable improvement over the same period last year at 23.5%. Annualized return on capital employed, or ROSI, improved to 12.9% by the end of the quarter as compared to 8.2% as of uh, end of 2019. Given the various events that have taken shape over the quarter and year to date i'd like to provide additional clarity let's start with revenue development the lower revenue numbers for the quarter and year to date in 2020 as compared to the same period last year can be explained by three main factors first lower metal revenue driven by lower metal notations second lower contribution from upstream businesses such as recycling and refining this is also due to lower or low metal notations, I should say. And third, COVID-related impacts. As you may know, the total revenue figure for 5M Plus includes two components. First, pass-through metal revenue, and secondly, revenue from value-added activities. For all of 2019, relevant metal notations continue to decline, reaching near historic low levels early this year. And, uh, well, basically, metals continue to decline all the way until early this year and have only recently shown slight signs of recovery. As a result of this, the basket of pass-through metals used by 5M Plus as of year today provides a lower revenue component as compared to the same period last year. Also, the same historically low metal notations have impacted the revenue contribution from the upstream businesses which recycle and refine metals from secondary and complex fees. We estimate two-thirds of the revenue difference between 2019 and 2020 year-to-date can be explained by these two factors. We estimate the remainder of the revenue impact to be COVID-related. Now moving to the second component of revenue, namely value-added revenue, we should note that this revenue component as of year-to-date is higher than the same period last year, reflecting progress in line with the company's ambition to move toward higher value-added materials and away from commodities. During the quarter, 5M Plus initiated the closure of an Asian subsidiary due to unfavorable business conditions arising from abrupt changes in the regulatory environment. Part of our responsibility as management is to ensure the sustainability of our businesses. Given the inconsistencies in enforcement practices within the given jurisdiction, we have decided to consolidate the activities from this site to other locations within our global footprint. I am purposely withholding location names, not to be coy, but because we are still finalizing terms and conditions associated with this project. We also believe a a consolidation will afford certain opportunities in achieving better economies of scale and implementing new processes which should make 5M Plus more competitive in the future. I should also mention that during the quarter, 5M Plus executed a negotiated settlement, which resulted in a non-recurring income of $8 million. This settlement is related to the company's upstream activities, and once again, we're limited by what we can share. The financial impact of these two non-recurring events resulted in a net gain and a favorable cash flow impact to follow over the coming quarter. 5M Plus continues to make progress with its growth initiatives, especially in segment electronic materials. In anticipation of your questions, I assume the change in the backlog within this segment may cause some head-scratching. As you may know, our backlog number is based on committed business over the next 12 months. As we have said before, we manage our business with a mix of short and long-term contracts many of which are at our discretion. Regardless of the mix, it is fair to say that as we get closer to the end of the long-term contract, especially within the window of 12 months, without renewal events, the backlog number can quickly change. The backlog number reflected in the MDNA for electronic materials signal exactly that evolution within the cycle of long-term contracts. This said, As I speak to you, we have closed on a substantial volume of long-term business and assuming we can get approval from the key stakeholders, we plan to provide more clarity in the near future. With this assumption and assuming the current trajectory of ordinary business, also assuming no extraordinary events, we expect the backlog figures to improve markedly by the next reporting period. I want to take this opportunity to once again remind us that how 5N Plus manages backlog and how the commitments develop depend on a number of factors, including our perception of short versus long-term value creation. Given that much of this is at our discretion, barring uh, barring demand shortfall for our products, backlog figures may move higher or lower based on elective actions of the management or and or maturity of long-term contracts, both of which need not communicate an adverse event. Having addressed some of the quarterly specific items, I'd like to shift my attention to the specific businesses. Despite a disappointing development early this year, With one of the major internet-based low-orbit satellite constellations declaring bankruptcy and 5M Plus being the supplier of record for semiconductor substrates utilized in the satellite constellation's solar arrays, 5M Plus semiconductor business is having perhaps the best year on record. Much of the growth in this area is coming from various imaging and sensing-based applications ranging from the security markets to medical imaging. In July, 5N Plus announced the introduction of the third generation of engineered semiconductor substrates, codenamed insb 3, specially developed for high-resolution infrared imaging based on breakthrough process technologies. The demand for this product has been simply outstanding. In the meanwhile, the internet-based Satellite customer mentioned earlier has emerged from bankruptcy with new source of funding and every intention to resume operations. Also over the past several months, the demand for 5M Plus's engineered semiconductor materials for a new generation of medical imaging devices has been exceptionally strong. Within this market, Many major suppliers of medical imaging devices are increasingly considering the unique benefits associated with medical imaging devices based on photon counting detectors, or PCD. These devices are demonstrating cost-effective alternatives with significantly improved imaging capabilities and much lower radiation exposure to the patient when compared to today's technology. 5M Plus is the leading supplier of engineered semiconductor material essential for the enablement of these devices. Based on customer feedback and actual increase in the demand for our products, we believe a number of medical imaging OEMs are intensifying their activities in this area and developing medical imaging solutions based on PCD technology. We believe the large demand experience for our materials are intended for the initial fleet of machines needed to demonstrate performance and initiate the regulatory process. We are extremely encouraged by this development. Given the conservative nature of the industry, (coughs) we expect a lengthy qualification and vetting process before any mass production launches. To that end, we expect the demand for our product to come in ebb and flow fashion and are not yet ready to declare the current demand as a normalized run rate for these products. The demand for health and pharmaceutical materials remains strong across all major products with the exception of one product line, which in the recent months have experienced lower demand due to challenges at a customer, and these challenges are unrelated to 5M Plus. We do not expect the current situation at this customer to materially change over the short term. However, over the medium term, we do expect the demand for the products supplied by 5M Plus to recover with or without this customer's participation. The adverse impact of COVID-19 has been mainly felt in industrial, catalytic, and extractive materials. We continue to see lower demand from these businesses. As we mentioned last quarter, we expect the recovery to be slow across these businesses and have postured our operating activities in line with this expectation. As with the impact of COVID on our operations, we continue to operate our global footprint with emphasis on well-established practices and focus on the health and safety of our people. Since Early this year, my team and I review the status of our global sites on a regular basis to ensure this matter remains the key priority in our company. We expect the contribution in recycling and refining activities or what we call upstream activities to remain muted for as long as the metal notations remain at the current levels. To that end, our upstream assets continue to operate in a suboptimal environment. This set the downstream businesses, which today compose the vast majority of our activities, are ideally positioned in the current environment as they benefit from stable metal markets and are slowly becoming less dependent on metal notations. In the last quarterly call, we mentioned that in the second half of the year, we expect to address two notable items. First, completion of certain key investment, and secondly, establishment of joint and strategic agreements to increase the size of our markets. Let me start with the investment topic first. A couple of weeks ago, we announced the completion of a series of investment packages related to process technologies, totaling nearly $10 million. We expect these investments to deliver additional productivity gains and enhance our ability to compete in the marketplace. Also with respect to joint and strategic agreements, let me begin by mentioning that it is becoming increasingly obvious that once our company focuses on a given market, most often than not, it earns its way to become the leading supplier in that market. To demonstrate this point, consider 5 n Plus's total addressable market or TAM. We estimate our TAM to be somewhere between four to $500 million in annual revenue and against that landscape 5M plus has secured between 40 to 50 percent of the revenue. What is now needed is to substantially increase the size of the total addressable market in which our company competes. We believe the best way to achieve this is to expand our reach in various tangents across our company's core competencies and utilize all options, including external means, to achieve this objective. Let me provide you an example. Six years ago, 5M Plus entered the market for engineered powders and elected to focus on the technologically challenging and smaller markets within microelectronics and semiconductor applications. This allowed the company to acquire the necessary experience before expanding further. In the past two years, we have secured a number of technologically challenging programs with trend-setting customers in the electronics market. In the past quarter, 5M Plus has has been awarded yet another contract to supply micropowders to a leading developer of handheld devices for the latest platform of products launched recently. Today, the revenue associated with these programs are not grand in size, but considering where the technology and these programs are migrating to, the future potential becomes significant. Most importantly, we view this as a tangible confirmation of our ability to compete in this competitive market and growth. To that end, Time has come for 5M Plus to not only continue to develop its business in the microelectronics industry, but utilize this competency and expand into the much larger additive manufacturing market. In support of this ambition, we recently launched a portfolio of new products and announced partnership with Metal Pine, an innovative Austrian supplier of additive manufacturing products, Ma- manufacturing powders, I should say. Our ambition is to become a leading supplier of engineered powders to this market, which is estimated to exceed $1 billion in revenue later this decade by industry pundits. We're now going through similar process with other growth initiatives. One question dominates the agenda. How can we apply our competencies and those available externally to materially increase our TAM and notably expedite our growth? uh, To support the ambition which this question implies, over the past few years, we have been continuing to strengthen our balance sheet and maximize our available resources. For example, as of year to date, 5M Plus have generated over $19 million from operating activities. We continue to maximize our available resources in anticipation of additional investments aimed at expanding our, our growth. In the meanwhile, given the current visibility, we would like to reiterate our expectation for better earnings in 2020 as compared to 2019 and maintain our guidance for adjusted EBITDA in the range of 25 to $28 million for the full year. At this point, I'd like to turn the call over to Richard for his review.
0: So good morning, everyone, Uh, as mentioned by AG, the company posted strong results in the third quarter, achieving a gross margin of thirty one point three percent and adjusted a bid of seven point seven million, the best in many quarters, supported by a new business model favoring more value added products and services, mitigating the impact of COVID nineteen, currently hurting ourselves for the industrial sectors we serve, and continued impact of low metal prices, preventing contribution from our upstream activities. Brazilian. The company continues to operate in a challenging business environment, not only imposed by COVID-19 and historical low metal notations, as just mentioned, but also changing business conditions in some part of the world. That being said, fortunate, the company has been able to reach a favorable agreement with the suppliers during the quarter, allowing to mitigate the abating impact of low metal notations to its upstream activities, and record an exceptional gain of eight million. However, not at rest, the company also made the decision to consolidate certain activities and close one of its subsidiary located in Asia, following the introduction of unfavorable business conditions and new regulations by local authorities, preventing the site to be economically viable, incurring exceptional restructuring and impairment charges. Noteworthy, the net financial impact of these two events will create a favorable cash flow impact over the coming quarters, most likely the next two. As our mantra, the company continued to manage cash diligently and operating expenses judiciously. Similar to previous quarters, we continue to believe that 5N Plus is ideally positioned not only to navigate its path through the current environment, but most important, emerge more competitive. So now, starting with the coverage of revenue and gross margins of this quarter. In Q3 2020, revenue decreased by 20% compared to the same quarter of last year, while gross margins surged to 31.3% compared to 23.5% in Q3 of last year, tracking an average gross margin of 28.4% or 37.2 million after nine months, compared to 23% or 34.7 million for both periods, impacted by historical low underlying metal notations and relative metal notation stability during 2020. Now covering adjusted bid down and bid down in Q3 2020, adjusted EBITDA was 7.7, compared to 6 million in Q3 of last year. Impacted by increased contribution from semiconductor compounds and semiconductor engineered substrates against the backdrop of stable but low middle nutrition. In year to date 2020, adjusted EBITDA increased by 4.8 million from 17.4 million in year to date 2019 to 22.2 million this year, mostly impacted by the same factors mentioned before, mitigating the shortfall in contribution from upstream activities. In Q3 2020, EBITDA was $7.5 million compared to $5.9 million in Q3 of last year. The increase is mainly explained by our adjusted EBITDA, as well as by non gang related to the settlement and termination of a supply agreement, that of restructuring impairment charges associated with the decision to consolidate selected activities and close a subsidiary located in Asia. The combined positive net impact mitigating our foreign exchange and derivative loss. In year-to-date, EBITDA was $20.2 million compared to $15.4 million last year. In Q3, operating earnings reached $5.2 million compared to 2900000 million Q3 of last year. And $12.9 million on a year-to-date basis compared to $7.1 million last year. Now looking at annualized backlog and bookings. Backlog uh, as of September 30th reached a level of 171 d- days of annualized revenue, a decrease of 31 days over the backlog as of June 30, 2020. The net difference in backlog largely attributed to the timing associated with the negotiation of long-term contracts, for which we are happy to mention that on November 9, the company secured multi-year contracts within its segment electronic materials, more precisely as part of our renewable energy sector. The the renewal of these contracts is expected to significantly improve the backlog and bookings, and would be reflected in the fourth quarter 2020 reporting period. Backlog as of as at September 30, 2020 for the electronic materials segments before this recent contract renewal represented 159 days of annualized segment revenue, a decrease of 34% over the backlog of June 2020. The backlog for the eco-friendly materials segment represented 183 days of annualized revenue, an increase of 15 days or 9% over the backlog of June 2020. Quickly going through the expenses, depreciation amortization expenses in Q3 and year to date amounted to three and nine point one million respectively, compared to two point five and eight point three million for the same periods of 2019. The increase is primarily attributed to the completion of specific capital expenditures late 2019 and 2020. SG&A expenses in Q3 and year-to-date were 4.5 and 14 million respectively. Compared to 5.2 and 16.2 million for the same periods of 2019, in 2020 these expenses were mainly positively impacted by lower travel and consulting expenses, either avoided or delayed due to COVID-19. Share-based compensation expense in Q3, year-to-date, amounted to 0.3 and 0.9 million, respectively, compared to 0.6 and 2.1 million for the same periods of 19. In Q3, the company recorded a non-recurring income of $8 million from the settlement of a, and termination of a supply agreement net of associated costs. In addition, the company also made the decision to consolidate selected activities and close one of its subsidiaries in Asia, um, incurring a provision for restructuring costs for an amount of $2.3 million, which consists of severances and other related costs to site closure. No expenses or income from location and restructuring activity were recorded in year-to-date of 2019. In Q3 2020, the company recorded an impairment charge on non-current assets of $4.9 million following the decision to close one of its subsidiaries, mentioned before, as well as an impairment of specific production equipment related to the site affected by the termination of a supply agreement, also mentioned before. Financial expense in Q3 2020 amounted to $1.6 million compared to 0.5 million million in Q3 of last year. In year to date, financial expense amounted to 4.5 million compared to 3.2 million in year to date of nineteen. The increase is mainly due to higher loss in foreign exchange and derivatives following compared to the same period last year. All non-cash. The company reported earnings before income taxes of $3.5 million in Q three and eight point four million in year-to-date 2020. Income tax expense in Q three and year to date were 0.8 and 3.4 million. Respectively, compared to 1.4 and 2.2 million for the same periods of last year. Both periods were impacted by different tax assets applicable in certain jurisdictions. Covering liquidity in year-to-date cash generated by operating activities amounted to 19.2 million compared to cash used in operating activities of 2.5 million for the same period of 19. The increase in funds from operations is mainly explained by our adjusted EBITDA, by our EBITDA Mitigating the negative impact in non-cash working capital on a year-to-date basis, cash use in investing activities was 6.1 million in year-to-date 2020 compared to 7.1 in year-to-date of last year. In year-to-date 2020, cash use in financing activities amounted to 2.8 compared to cash from financing activities of 1.2 in year-to-date of last year. Now looking at gross and net debt, total gross, gross debt is stable at 55.1 million. Uh, when compared to December of last year, however, the net debt after considering cash and cash equivalents decreased by 10.4 million, from 35 million as at December last year to 24.7 million as at September this year. This will conclude the financial review. We are ready to take questions from analysts.
1: Thank you, Mr. Perron. Merci. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question at this time, please press star followed by one on your touch phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And should you decide to withdraw your question, you will need to press star followed by two. And if you're using a speakerphone, we do ask that you please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you do have any questions. And your first question will be from Rupert Mayer at National Bank. Please go ahead.
3: Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Maybe if I could start with a question on the uh, additive manufacturing markets with your your partnership with metal pine what's next here are you focused on market development is there any more uh, product development in this relationship what what should we be looking for and 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 what's the timing for uh, for developments
2: so um, this is this is obviously a new market for us um, we have uh, been um, uh, doing a lot of work over the past, I would tell you, 12 to 18 months studying this market, trying to understand uh, the, uh, uh, the specificities related to this market. Now, what you should know is that when you go to additive manufacturing, uh, the range of products becomes uh, extremely wide. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, you, you could have products anywhere from, I don't know, a couple of hundred... Um, degrees in melting point all the way to over 2,000. And when you look at 5N plus's uh, technology, we can really address everything from about 60 degrees all the way up to 1,100. So that allows us to develop certain level of products. Some of it goes into electronics market. Some of it will go into uh, additive manufacturing. I'll give you an example. Copper and copper-based alloy is something that we've just, launched as a product of our own in uh uh, for for uh uh, for additive manufacturing uh and there uh that is part of our development that's part of our work now if you get into uh titanium or nickel based alloys you're dealing with really uh much higher temperatures in which you need to use a completely different uh, group of technologies to produce those fine powders and that's where. Uh, our, our partnership with Metal Prime is really uh, adding value. So that has been the current focus, is to be able to first make sure uh, that we are uniquely positioned from the uh, the portfolio product. And we think we are. We think you're not going to find that many suppliers out there that can say, look, from, I don't know, 60 degrees up to over 2,000 degrees, I can give you products of high quality. Uh, now, the thing that we have to do is focus the next Um, I I would tell you the the next probably uh, 12 to 24 months on market, strong market development. Um, That's an area where uh, we are putting a lot of focus on because we think now we have the product portfolio. So uh, that's going to be the main focus, uh, really work on developing the market, uh, get our uh, toes wet, uh, we already have some interest in the market already. We, there's a small amount of sampling that's going on, even though we just launched the initiatives, uh, and that's what's going to be our focus.
3: So it may be hard to predict, but what does the path look like from today to that $1 billion market that, that's forecasted in a number of years? How how fast could this grow for you?
2: Well, <clears throat> let me uh, put some uh, some perspective to it um when you look at all the studies and all the and i refer to them as pundits all the experts in the industry they say actually the additive manufacturing market some estimated to be as much as uh, two and a half to three billion by uh later this decade we assume 1.2 for based on the product of uh, portfolio products that we're engaged in whether ourselves or in in partnership with with metal so that would become the global market. Now, um, we think the North American market becomes much more relevant for us in that because uh, the also the partnership with Metal Pine is geared at that. Uh that is estimated North America is estimated to be a big market, somewhere between thirty-seven to forty percent. So uh, look, the the, the, uh, the TAM there should be somewhere in the neighborhood of, let's conservatively say, half a billion by uh, uh, later this, this decade. And uh, there are a number of players in that market. This is not a market where you've got only two players. No, it's, uh, I would tell you, definitely more than a few and probably more than even several. And so even if you take a very small number in terms of percentage, though, to that, for us, that... That growth becomes meaningful. We haven't really disclosed our numbers yet. We do have a business plan against it. Uh, in the future, we, we we certainly will provide more clarity. But just uh, you know, just take the 500, 600 between 5 to 600 million TAM, and uh, and if I'm uh, if I'm an analyst, I would probably put a very low percentage, single percentage against that, and say that's probably the trajectory over the next. Uh, uh, I don't know, five years, five six years, and that would be a conservative approach.
3: Okay, thank you. Then, and, and secondly, on on the uh, negotiated settlement in uh, in Asia, so I think you said we shouldn't expect any material change to to uh, uh, earnings in the near term. Are, are are you still positioned to go back into the upstream business if if the market for the upstream starts to look more favorable, or, or are you uh, you giving up on that business?
2: So, uh, giving up on that business is not uh, is not what we're doing. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, I'd like to give you more information on some of these things, but I can't. They're, 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 the, the settlements are governed by very very strict uh, non-disclosure agreements, so I can't really get more into them. As far as upstream is concerned, right now is not a good environment to be in upstream, uh, especially in, with our metals. Uh, everybody that uh, I think you can probably go on the internet and you see that people are that are in that business are struggling luckily uh, that doesn't uh, uh, really you know the the the, the contribution uh, for us from upstream is not uh, is not huge at this point, and we have a very uh, thriving downstream business that is uh that is doing quite well so we're we're less affected but at this point we're really not able to. Operate our upstream businesses, our refining and uh, recycling activities, very effectively. Uh, we are uh, uh, in that business. You need to be patient. It's a by, by nature. It's a cycle. Um, so you can't just uh, jump out of the cycle. Uh, that being said, I think there is a natural progression that is happening in our business. Uh, I know it's it's slow. I know my, some of my investors wish that it would go faster, but what we're more and more uh, becoming less reliable on what happens to metals. Um, you can just see the difference between 2015, let's say, and 2019. Uh, you see that the impact from metals is becoming less and less, and I expect this to continue. As you can see, we're engaging in so many different downstream. Uh, products near our competency that uh, have a higher value added and less metal. So I think by by the natural order of things, we will over time become less and less uh, reliant on a thriving upstream business anyhow.
1: All right, thanks. I'll, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Next question will be from Nick Agostino at Laurentian Bank Securities. Please go ahead.
4: Uh, yes, uh, good morning. I guess first question, uh, Last on the last call, you, you spoke about uh, COVID impacting your ability to conduct product qualifications. Can you maybe just give us an update on, on what the environment looks like from that uh, perspective? Um, to be very frank with you,
2: it still does. It still does. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, we were doing quite well in uh, qualifying our products for uh, feed additives, as an example. Uh, and today, it's, it's a bit, that, that whole progression is happening slower. We were doing better in terms of qualifying our powders. Um, today, today, it's slower. Uh, so even the medical imaging stuff, uh, it's happening slower. Uh, so, you know, what 5N Plus is doing is essentially is trying to launch new products new products means you have to be able to um work closely with your and and we're not producing widgets right we're producing material technology which means it is a it is a integral part of our customers um uh, overall picture of, of of whatever they're developing and so you have to be there in your customers labs you have to be there uh face to face jointly developing these products um it's not impossible uh, modern tools uh, have made it uh, obviously um much more fluid uh but 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 i, I would be remiss to say that the, the speed of market development is the same as it was before covid it's
4: not and then uh the, my second question, on the uh, secured multi-year contracts that you guys signed earlier this week, I recognize you're probably limited to what you can say, but can you, uh, first of all, confirm, is it with one or multiple customers, and if it is just one, is that a renewal of an existing contract, or, or is it new contract, and maybe any color around uh, how long this contract is, and, and and if it was an existing contract, what the terms look like on a relative basis, more volume, margin uh, uh, relative to to the prior, just any any high-level color you could provide would be great. Uh,
2: as much as I like to do that, I have to tell you this, this whole thing happened uh, very quickly in, in a sense that by the time our MDNA was in motion and, 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 and we had to actually declare it as a subsequent event to make sure we – we're fully compliant. Um, I don't even have yet all the approvals to be able to communicate on this that normally you afford your uh, your your stakeholder. Uh, I am very reluctant. Uh, we, we obviously wanted to give you maximum exposure so that uh, you know it's happened, but I'm very uh, reluctant right now to say much more than that. But I would tell you that my guess is within the next week you will get uh, – uh, more information on that, you will you will have more information because I'll be able we'll be able to go through the normal due course of getting the approvals that we need in order to be able to say more. Uh, so just please be patient
4: uh, as we go through that uh, approval process. You'll have more information. Okay. And uh, I, I understand. And I guess my last question: It feels like you guys are shifting more into top line uh, growth initiatives. I guess my question is. Now that you've announced the the intro into the additive manufacturing your partnership with with metal pine and I believe in your in your ndna you're you're signaling as part of the planned growth initiatives i you, you discuss external means I'm not sure if that references m a so my question is how close are you to i guess announcing a second partnership and and if it if m a is part of the part of your near-term growth initiatives, how active and and maybe how close are you on that front? And I'll leave it there.
2: Um, Okay, so uh, let me uh, de-layer that question and and answer it in its components. Um, So over the past four years uh, with our strategic plan, which which is coming to term essentially, we had a certain objective and that was essentially Uh, To put the company on a very, very strong footing, uh, optimize the existing activities, its core businesses, uh, make sure the balance sheet becomes absolutely robust, and then launch um, growth initiatives. Uh, Growth initiatives that are essentially uh, the beachhead for uh, where you're going to expand into in your next, let's say, uh, uh, period of strategic initiative. And we think we've done that. We think, uh, uh we, we, our, uh, um, results, I would, I would not give myself, for example, an A plus for sure. I would, uh, I would be critical of some things because I don't think, uh, uh, the bottom line has grown as much as we, we had hoped, um, for, for various reasons. Obviously upstream had, we had, we had a lot more expectation from upstream, uh, some of the growth initiatives. Uh, have not grown as fast as they should have, but they have certainly grown. And there, every indication from customer, from the market, is that uh, that these are the right markets that we're in. That they're uh, that that these are the markets of the future. That we have unique positions in them. That we have the ability to expand and do quite well. So I'm I'm very encouraged by that. Now, well, I, I gave you the TAM numbers for a reason. You see that you know. Uh, our world around us is, let's say, half a billion in revenue. What is, if, if you were to get every piece of business that's out there, it's probably going to add up to about half a billion. And we've, we've gotten about 40 to 50% of that. So it is a glaring evidence that, look it, our, our issue is not uh, developing the businesses and being a strong company in them. It's that the pool we're swimming in is a smaller pool. We're outgrowing the size of the pool. We need to go and start swimming in a bigger pool. And we think our growth initiatives that we've launched are one way to get there. But as you know, organic growth initiatives, especially in a technology sector, material technology, always have a long lead time. Several years is an average in this industry. And so we can't just rely on that. We can't just rely that, okay, we'll just continue to you know, in a jigsaw puzzle type of a format, put pieces of our own organic uh, doing into it. We have to look outside. Uh, you're right to say that metal pine is one item. You're right to say that our focus uh, is is naturally going to have to be on the top line as well, because uh, the top line will also be now a KPI for whether we're able to grow that pool. Um, and yes, indeed, we are looking externally. Uh, uh, I, you know, when you say M&A, M&A depends what your definition is. I, I consider M&A, or at least in, in how I've communicated this to you, I would encourage you to, to, to consider it as the wide definition of the word. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be acquisition of somebody, purchase of somebody, although uh, that is always in the cards. Uh, but it could be partnership, it could be joint venture, it could be any of those, you know, take the entire spectrum. Um, We know that the companies that we like uh, are expensive. Um, We know that uh, these are, uh, um, uh, you know, we're being very selective in what we're doing, Uh, but but we think there are ways to to still achieve our objectives. So, a long answer to your short question is <clears throat> we're using all options. Uh, organic means uh, has put us on the map, has developed these beachheads, and now we're going to use every option that we can potentially afford to try to grow them. And, uh, and I think down the line, uh, being able to communicate uh, how much we've expanded our total addressable market, which by default is a revenue signal uh, will be a
3: material uh, uh, item okay great thank you
1: thank you next question will be from MacWill at Cormac securities please go ahead
5: hi um with metal pine give us can you um speak to uh the impact on margin that might result like depending on what you're selling what you're producing versus what they're providing if that gets substantial like would that impact the margin i mean because the margin is just so big now in electronics i would imagine it would but can you speak to that a bit
2: well i mean um anytime that you have to uh share a pie with a partner um, you know, you 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 have to give out some. So it's it's uh, when when you go in it solo versus when you have a partner, you're you're not uh, you're not benefiting from the entire uh, profit that that you expect. At the same time, it also shares the risk that um, that uh, that you're also assuming. So I I think from the balance of I, I think you can assume that the margins aren't going to be like the um, uh, what i would expect from a uh let's say a semiconductor specialty semiconductor uh specialty type of a business mm-hmm. it's not that uh but it is uh, certainly better than let's say uh what you would get with some of our uh some of our chemical businesses um, okay. Yeah. That's at least our assumption, because at some point you have to essentially share some of the uh,
5: benefits. Right. So presumably, like you talked about that TAM and getting so we're a single digit over five six years of that TAM. What would you be comfortable with us assuming about the margin? I um,
2: well, it's uh, the reason why I struggle to answer your question because it depends on the mix of what mm-hmm. products we take from. What products are considered joint? It depends on our sales mix, right? So yeah. there are products where 5N is pre- developed and, and will produce itself. Those products will have very good margins, um, very, very strong margins. The products that are joint uh, would, would, be, would be somewhat less. So, so I guess I'm not yet ready to give you a number because it depends on that mix, and we've got to see how right. the market develops.
5: But it's not a situation where it's like eco friendly margins. Uh
2: no. No. We uh we 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 are uh a net net with everything thrown in there with our products, their products, um uh looking at additive uh, electronic markets, no, no, it should be better than that. It should definitely be better than that.
5: Um okay, and so then uh, with the changes on the upstream part of the business, um and this margin coming in where it is now, are you, like, what does your cash flow look like? Um, I know that working capital jumps around a lot quarter to quarter, but just annually, are you expecting, like, a, a sizable increase in sort of in operating cash flow or cash from operations? I mean, are you, uh, or, or is your, or is there sort of offsets in terms of needing to invest in in some more property, um, plant and equip- equipment. I'm trying to get an idea on, on where your sort of return on capital employed might be going, 21 and beyond.
2: Um, I'll, I'll answer that, and then I'll uh, ask Richard to weigh in uh, from a from a uh, more of a strategic view. Uh, please recognize that we're in a bit of a um, oh, I don't want, I hate that word because it's overused transition phase, yeah, and and uh, depending on. Some of the things that we're working on, we may all of a sudden uh, actually have to invest quite a bit and and we may be in need of a substantial amount of cash. So we're not in a, you know, your question assumes a certain level of stability and and I would tell you right now with all these initiatives that we have, depending on, uh, on, on the signal we get, we may all of a sudden go there or not. Uh, I guess, Richard, maybe you can answer that more on a normalised approach?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you leave networking capital aside, which is um, uh, dependent on, a, on at least two important factors, uh, notations and um, the speed of growth, uh, as far as we've done a lot of uh, key investments within our core business today. So, from a CapEx perspective, we don't foresee any major CapEx forward for the core business. Okay. Mm. Um, so, so, so we'll be generating cash. Well, you see what kind of cash we've been generating after uh, six, nine months. Uh, so, on a going forward basis, like I said, networking cap aside, and anything special around growth, uh, we should be generating between ten and fifteen million of cash forward. Okay. Okay, that's good. Um,
2: Richard then- generates,
0: I spend it.
5: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Okay. Lastly, just I know you you can't really talk so much about on, on the renewable. You talked about the contract, but um, just thinking in general, uh, just remind us what how different is that process. And I'm not asking about you know the result this year, but when you look when you approach that process every year with that in that renewable space, is it, um, is it a much different process that you go through than a lot of the other contracts or is it sort of um uh the same like do you go into this with a bit of a concern where you have to argue hey look um we don't want our margin to be coming down um that much and so we you need to address uh, you know what you're doing for them because i know the contract's different than it has been in the past but i'm wondering whether it's materially different than anything else you deal with because it's it, 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 why is it sort of taken out, specifically talked about? It, it, I'm just trying to get an idea. Is there a lot of risk around it every year? Like, is it like the auto parts where they just hammer you on price every year, and you have to claw back what no, you can? No.
2: The the uh, actually, uh, you you know my uh, uh, my feeling about mentioning names and this and that. I, I if 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 I had my brothers, I would not. Uh, uh, really even be discussing it we okay. in a way we have to because uh, renewable is this, uh, has been a a large amount of uh, of the company's uh, output and so there are certain uh, uh, let's say certain guidelines as a publicly traded company that uh, that uh, requires that we make certain disclosure that's why it's probably getting uh, more Publicity than other clients um, or other sectors. Uh, Now, uh, in terms of changes, I would tell you when you look at uh, not just renewable but other sectors, there has been a change in how we negotiate contracts. I think a lot of it is because how we have changed our approach to negotiating contracts. We uh, we don't we don't go for market share anymore. Uh, we are willing to take uh volume hits if that means we are going to preserve certain amounts of margin. Uh because we believe look if, if you if you believe that you're gonna grow and you've got your growth initiatives to help you grow, uh you know fighting for market share for me makes no sense. It's 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 a downward spiral. You're essentially destroying your own market. So um so we've been we've been very selective. we continue to be not just in this contracts or with renewable but with with other uh uh, uh with other activities. this is probably why our margins are also have improved to some extent uh, and so uh, let me leave it there again because I don't really have much more uh no that that's long that's, that's way
3: that's,
5: that's helpful i i guess make sense that it's sizable but my sense is that things are changing as your business evolves and that perhaps you know for as as investors shouldn't be that all that fussed about this process every year yeah it's,
2: it's a process thing it's not us emphasizing it it's almost yeah. uh uh again if it was up to me i would just uh treat all these uh things equally but uh there are certain uh regulatory things in the background that is uh that is you know pushing these 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 things. Yeah. Okay.
5: That's great. Thanks and congrats on the good quarter. Great thanks.
2: thanks. Thank you.
1: Your next question will be from Louis Jutran at Desjardins. Please go ahead. Thanks, good morning.
2: Good morning.
3: So, uh, just a quick question for me. Uh, Recently, you have remained active on share buyback and completed a series of investments in process technologies. Uh, I was wondering if you could provide your thoughts on capital allocations for coming quarters.
1: Well,
2: uh, I'll I'll start and then Richard can chime in. As I said, he he makes them and I spend them. Um, So, uh, share buyback, we've been, I I would say, very prudent. We haven't... uh, uh we continue to buy uh our allotment as you know under ncib there are terms that regulate how much you can buy and there's a whole host of there's a whole regime around what you can do and we've been uh uh very consistent each uh each time uh purchasing what we can um our board over the past two years uh have taken a very prudent approach of saying look uh Uh, We believe there's value here, so we'll continue to consistently over uh, the past two years buy our own shares back. Uh, Where that's going to go in the future, uh, well, we'll we'll communicate that when the time comes. As far as um, capital allocations, as Richard mentioned, core business, we don't see uh, large capital allocations there. We think it should be well within uh, the depreciation, or perhaps even below depreciation. Now, the thing, as I mentioned earlier, that could occur is that as, as we are looking to expand our total addressable market, and are looking uh, at uh, at, a, at a pretty wide base of things to do, we we may uh, require. Uh, substantial amounts of, of funding to be able to do that. That could be the, uh, you know, the, the the event that is uh, differentiating. Richard, what do you, what, what's your thoughts
0: yeah, no, I Definitely, totally agree uh, about the comment on our core business and capex. But, but just to say that uh, well, we, we definitely see value in the NCIB. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we believe that the current and the future growth projects that we're working on most likely uh, make a better use of our liquidity forward.
5: Great. Thanks for that. That's it
2: for me.
1: Thank you. And at this time we have no further questions. Please proceed.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I would like to thank you all for uh, joining us this morning. Have a nice day.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Maxi. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending. At this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.